Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. Psalm 41, we're in the middle of a series, Hayden. We're teaching through the Psalms. So today we're at Psalm 41, and if you had to do a, take a, a, a pick, if you're going to pick out psalms and choose some to preach on, Psalm 41 is probably not one you would choose. Um, in fact, those that I, I've sat under and listened to and been taught by for years, none of them chose 41 when they taught through psalms. But what I want to do in our, our time together is we're going to, take some of those real sweet, special psalms, right, like Psalm 23, and we'll teach through those. But I wanted to teach through some that were a little bit obscure, that may be a little bit more difficult, uh, because what is my job as pastor? My job as pastor is to equip you to do the work of the saints, but also is to teach you how to study the scriptures for yourself. And so this, this psalm is not real um, exciting and, and, like I said, one that you would choose, but it is the inspired word of God, and so we're going to teach through this psalm and give you some application, maybe help you as you study and read through the psalms yourself. So uh, that's what we're going to do, Psalm 41. I, I love the story of Robin Hood, and you love the story of Robin Hood. Do you remember the story? Do you know how the storyline goes? Some of you, older folks, you can't quite remember all the details, right? But Robin Hood is known as the Prince of Thieves. And who did he steal from? The rich, yeah. And it's not, we love the story, not because we don't like rich people. or We have something against people who have wealth or have money, right? That's not the issue. The issue we have with the rich are the rich people who ex- exploit the poor, right? The ones who take from the little guy. Those who have much taken from those who have little when they really don't need it. And so that's why we like Robin Hood, the whole plot, the storyline so much, because he, he takes from the sheriff of Nottingham, which any movie or any cartoon that you've seen of Robin Hood, the sheriff of Nottingham is a despicable person, right? And so Robin Hood would steal from the sheriff of Nottingham, and he would take all those goods and all the money and whatnot and the food, and he would give it to the poor people, the peasants. So we, we love that. We love Robin Hood for that. Uh, reason. And why is that? Because that is a, a godly attribute, right? We love those who are merciful to the lowly, those who are merciful to the exploited and merciful to the abused. We applaud that, and rightly so. That's a type of behavior that is pleasing to the Lord. And we see in our psalm today uh, that behavior um, exemplified and commanded. And this psalm describes the singer being David this morning suffering from two evils. One is sickness, illness, and the second are are bad friends or so-called friends. So he's struggling with sickness. He's ill. He's in, in bed. But secondly, he has friends that aren't really friends, okay? So David, he's weak and he's sick and he wants others to show mercy to him and to those like him but his, his so-called friends are not doing so. So let's look at this psalm. And three things I'm going to point out to you today. The first thing is that the merciful are blessed. 
those who are merciful are blessed. Verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to circle in your Bible or if you write in your Bible. If you don't write in your Bible, no big deal. You don't have to write in it. But I, what I would do when I, when I read through this is I began to circle all those blessings in verse 1 through 3. So let's look at them. Blessed is one who considers the poor. All right, happy is the one. Blessed is one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. So I would underline or circle delivers him. He's delivered, right? That's one of the blessings. The second blessing, verse 2, the Lord protects him and keeps him alive. Those two more blessings. He's protected and he's kept alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not, you do not give him up to the will of his enemies. So that's another one. He's not given up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. So you're sustained. In his illness, you restore him to full health. Restored. So here's the benefits of being merciful. And a summary, I guess if you could say a summary of this whole psalm, you can find it in Matthew 5, 7, the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Why are the merciful blessed? Because God himself is merciful, Right? I mean, he's merciful to us, right? And we're glad. He blesses those who bless others. What he's saying here is those who are merciful will be mercied. They'll receive mercy, right? And this isn't a key to the kingdom. Sometimes when you read the Beatitudes, sometimes people say these are keys to the kingdom. In order to be in the kingdom of God, these are the attitudes that you have to have. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that's right. I think they, they, they put the cart before the horse. These are attitudes that ought to be. And for us as believers and for David in the Old Testament, as God-fearing people, these are attitudes that they should have. Those who are part of the kingdom of God should have this attitude, should be merciful to those who need mercy. If we've received mercy from the Lord, which we all have, what is expected of us? To give that in return, right? And we see this all throughout the, the Old Testament. How do we treat people who are less off than we are? How do we treat the poor? How do we treat the needy? How do we treat the helpless? How do we treat the exploited? How do we help these type of people? Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22. In the law of God, the Israelites were given this command. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you should not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, right? That's the, the poor. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, right? How do, how do they pick their olives? Right? Beat the tree, right? And olives fall. When you beat your olive trees, you should not go over them again. It should be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You know, I see they're, they're picking cotton right now. And I've always thought this. And I don't know anything about farming, about cotton. But I'm like, sometimes I'm looking at the field and thinking, they need to have better cotton pickers because they're like wasting a lot of this stuff. That's my thought, right? I don't know much about it. Rick could tell us about that. Well, they need to go through that thing again. Did they ever do that, Rick? Used to? Yeah. So, yeah, gas is too high, right? But yeah, they don't go back through there and pick again, but they're wasting so much. So much is left there on the stalk, right? When you beat your olive trees, don't go back a second time and beat them again. 
You know, get your one crop and then leave and leave the others for who? For the, for the, for the widow, right? When you gather the grapes of a vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. Again, same, same, same situation here. It shall be for the sojourner, the followers, and the widow. You shall remember that you're, you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. They were in Egypt, right? Twelve sons of Jacob ended up in Egypt. They were there 400 years. They became slaves, right? He says, remember, God was merciful to you. You remember what it's like to be in need, to be oppressed. Remember, now that you're set free, right? Remember those who are oppressed. Psalm 40, 17. Look at, look at Psalm 40, 17. This is the verse prior to the psalm we're looking at now. As for me, David, this is once again David saying, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God, right? Saying the same thing. I received mercy. Be merciful to me. I need mercy. Proverbs 19, 17. God says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he who repays and he will repay him for his deed. Guess what's our attitude towards those who need help? Yeah, we need to help those who need help. The poor, the widow, the orphan, the exploited, the one struggling. Yeah, we should be merciful. Because why? Because we've received mercy from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 8 9, Paul, he says this as well. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Why? So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. It's the gospel, isn't it? Now, on this side of the cross, it's the gospel that motivates us to consider the poor. For in the gospel, we hear the good news of the one who regarded us in our poverty. And so what do we do? We return that favor to others. And in verse 1, those who are merciful, those who are good to those who are in need, they're blessed, aren't they? They're delivered, they're protected, they're kept, they're not given up to the will of their enemies, they're sustained on their sickbed, they're restored to full health. And this is part of the, the covenant we see in, on Mount Sinai, isn't it? The Mosaic covenant. On Wednesday nights, we're going through the covenants. You know, you hear, hear about covenants all the time. And so we're walking through the covenants. We've talked about the Noahic covenant, the covenant God made with Noah, this Wednesday, we're going to talk about the covenant God made with Abraham. But there's the next covenant is the covenant with Moses. It's the covenant God made with the Israelites on Mount Sinai when he gave them the law. And part of the, he gave them the law and said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I don't want you to do. But part of that covenant is God saying, if you're obedient, you're going to be blessed. But if you're disobedient, what's going to happen? Yeah, there's blessings and there's cursings, Right? There's blessings and there's cursings. Yeah. So the merciful are blessed. Have you been blessed when you've been merciful? Yeah, we are. It's just, it's natural law, isn't it? It's this law of reaping and sowing. And that's what God instituted on Sinai. Yeah, when you're good to people who are in need, God, you're just blessed. Now, this isn't a health and wealth thing, right? Oh, we give the Lord so he can give back to me in abundance, fourfold, right? No, it's not that. We stay away from that. We hate that teaching because that's not true. But there's just, you reap what you sow. God blesses those who are 
merciful. We should be merciful. So that's point number one in our psalm. David is saying, God blesses those who are merciful. And guess what? David needed mercy because he's sick. Look at the second point here in verse 4 through 10. The merciful have opposition. Well, we're good to people and we're blessed, so that means everything's going to go wonderful and we're not going to have problems and we're not going to have people oppose us. No, that's not what he says. Verse 4 and 10, they both begin with be gracious. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. Remember, he, he recognized his sin. We, we talked about this last week with his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. He recognized that he's a sinner. He sinned against the Lord. Verse 5, my enemies say of me in malice, when, I will die, when will he die and his name perish? David's sick, and we said last week, sometimes there's a correlation, right, between sin and sickness, right? Sometimes last week we, we, we talked through the Psalm 32 and how we're, sometimes we're sick because of sin. Not always, right? Not everything, oh, it's because of sin in your life. Oh, it's, this is because of sin in my life. No, not necessarily, but sometimes that's the case. But David, is, he's sick. He's confessed his sin, and he, he's, he's ill. And he recognizes that his sin and his sickness has given his enemies an opportunity to gain an upper hand on him. And David had many enemies. I mean, think about it. He became king after Saul, right? The Lord took his anointing from Saul, and David became king. But I mean, you can just imagine, in context, David's following Saul, and Saul had some followers. He had some people that loved him, because I'm sure Saul was good to them, right? And so here you have someone that's taking Saul's place, and Saul had friends, and David had enemies, I'm sure. We know he did, right? David was a good king, but he was flawed. And he confesses that, I, I've sinned, right? But you, you don't have to be a jerk to have enemies, do you? You don't have to be a jerk to have people oppose you. Sometimes we think, do things rightly, but yet we have those who are malicious towards us. Sometimes, right? Look at verse 5. These enemies are hoping for his death. Here he is, he's sick, and he has people who, they're hoping the worst for him. Hope you get better. Not really, right? Look at verse 6. Some are coming in, and they're wishing him well to his face but then hoping the worst for him behind his back. Look at verse 6. And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words. How you doing? Oh, I hope you feel better. I feel so bad for you. We're praying for you, right? No. While his heart gathers iniquity, when he goes out, he tells it abroad. He ain't going to make it. There ain't no hope for him. Right? Verse 7 and 8. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. And he had some who attributed his illness to some sin, right? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know someone else whose friend said he was suffering because of his sin? Who's that? Job, yeah, right? Sophocles, he says, What greater wound is there than a false friend? Yeah, that's hurtful, isn't it? You have somebody you think really loves you and cares for you, but then in the end you realize they really didn't. 
all the all their good things they did for you was tainted with selfish motives. Yeah, it's hurtful. And suffering comes to God's people and for various reasons, right? We've talked about this before. Some suffering is merely the just in the nature of what it means to be a human being, right? Job himself, Job five seven, he says, "Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward." Yeah, sometimes we're just we suffer because we live in a sin filled world. Some of you have suffered. Not because of anything you've done, just because we live in a sinful world. Yeah, we suffer. Some suffering is sent by God to develop our character, isn't it? Right? Romans 5, 3, Paul says, suffering produces perseverance in us. And that's true. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what marriage is about. Relationships are about. Having children is about. Yeah, all that's about God putting you on the anvil, making you like himself. We struggle with those relationships because it's good for us. Right? Yeah, I'm a better man because I'm married. Before I was married, I thought I was godly. Then I got married, and I realized I'm selfish, right? I have a lot more to work on than I thought. Yeah, that's good. It's good for us, right? But it's, but it's, but it's a struggle. Still other sufferings intended for the glory of God, and that was Job's situation, wasn't it? Job suffered greatly, but it was to prove to Satan that a person can love God for himself alone and not merely for what he can get out of it. Some suffer just for the glory of God. No other explanation, right? And as we saw last week, sin does result in sometimes the heavy hand of discipline from the Lord. But only a portion of suffering is for discipline, chastisement, right? But we suffer for many different reasons. And David is suffering. He is ill. And his friends and so-called friends and his enemies are wishing him the worst. They're maliciously against him. Verse 9, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. You know, his son Absalom rebelled against him and tried to take the kingdom from him. If you don't know that story, you should read that in 2 Samuel chapter 15. But he had a, a, a trusted counselor, Ahithophel. And remember, if you, if you don't remember that story, you can read in 2 Corinthians 15. He left David to, to fight alongside Absalom, that he was hurt by this. And Jesus quoted verse 9 in, in reference to Judas, John 13, 18. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know, I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Yeah, speaking about Judas, he quotes verse 9. And this idea of, of, of someone... Though someone who's eaten bread with him and then striking his heel, it's kind of like the idea of going out. If you ever have horses or, or or cattle or any kind of livestock of any kind, and you go out and you feed those animals every day, they live because of your hand giving them food every day. But then you turn your back on them, and some people say, "Don't turn your back on that horse, or don't turn your back on that mule." You feed that mule every day, but you turn your back on them. What's going to do? It's going to get you, right? Or it's going to kick you. Got to watch it. So that's the same idea here. Friends of mine who've been eating at my table, I fed them, I took care of them. What are they doing? They're betraying me. And so here David is, he's on the, his sickbed and he's sad and he's betrayed and he struggles with this, um, the idea that his friends are out to get him. Look at verse 10. 
But you, O Lord, be gracious to me. Again, verse 4 and, and verse 10 here, there's bookends. Be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. This is called an imprecatory psalm. What's it, what's it mean? What's a precatory psalm? It's a psalm where people are praying for, it appears to be vengeance, right? Lord, help me to get better so I can get back at these folks. What do you think about that? There's many imprecatory psalms in, in the book of Psalms, but is David wanting or praying for personal vengeance here? A couple different thoughts on this, and we're going to look at several more of these Psalms, just so you know how to handle them. A couple ideas about this. Is this the right attitude one should have? Well, you think of all different New Testament scriptures. says, no, that's the, that wasn't Jesus' attitude, right? But, but, but anyway, some say he, he wanted to get well just to prove his enemies wrong. His enemies, what are they saying? Or some of his friends, hey, he's going to die. He don't, have any, he don't have any chance. There's no way he's pulling through this, right? And so some people say, well, he's just saying he wants to get better so he can prove... So just by getting wrong, he's vindicated, and his, and his enemies are proven wrong. Some say that's what he's referring to here when he says, raise me up that I may repay them. Others say that David, he's acting on behalf of God because he's the Messiah, right? He's the anointed king. He's the agent of God's wrath against those guilty of treason. So he's the king, and if you're opposed to the king, what are you doing? You're opposing the Lord. And so some say, well, this isn't, it's not personal vengeance that he seeks, but public justice. Because these people are opposing God, because they're opposing God's king. That's thought number two. And others see this prayer as just a prayer of vengeance. Lord, help me get better so I can repay these sorry people that's been against me. I think of, about it when we study the narrative text in the Bible. Sometimes when we, the Old Testament books, we read about all these stories, Brady, where these supposedly godly people, they, make, they do these heinous things. David, last week we talked about David and his incident with Bathsheba. That's despicable. That's wicked, right? How he treated Uriah. And isn't it, 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 just, it makes it worse because Uriah was so good to David, right? He had such noble character. He's the protagonist in the story, right? He's the one that we think, man, Uriah is awesome. And David, you, you're just a you're horrible person. And not only do you take this man's wife, but you send the husband out to die. Yeah. And we read those stories and we're like, man, that's horrible. How is that in the Bible? Because... These writers on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're not writing what should have happened. They wrote what did happen. They're recording history. And so I think sometimes these imprecatory psalms, they're praying, David's just being honest. And in that moment, he's saying, you know what? I want to get them back. It is vengeful. That doesn't mean it's right. But we, we do the same, don't we? When we're in the flesh. How many of you get in the flesh? Yeah, we all get in the flesh, right? Sometimes we get in the flesh. We like to say, you know, we have our, our in our better moments, right? On our better days, you know, we act a certain way. But sometimes we get in the flesh, don't we? And we do things that are not Christ-like, that doesn't please the Lord. So three attitudes towards that. 
three attitudes towards this. One is that he's just, he just wanting to get well so he can be vindicated that way towards his enemies. Second thought, he's acting on behalf of God. He's, he's God's agent. He's the king, the Messiah. And so really what these people are doing is they're committing treason. So he's not looking for personal vengeance. He's looking for public justice. And thirdly, is this, he's just being vengeful. Which one is it? I don't know. I kind of lean towards the third one myself. But the other two are possible. We're going to look at these more in detail later. But we see that the, the merciful are blessed. But the merciful are sometimes opposed. Even though they're blessed, they're, they're opposed. Last thing is this psalm in verse 11 and 12. It teaches us we should have confidence in the Lord. Let's read that together. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout and triumph over me. In other words, I'm going to get it better. I'm not going to die. I'm going to get it better. But you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. I think what David is saying here is you're pleased with me even though my sickness causes many to think you're not. You're still pleased with me. You're, you are blessing me because I have been merciful. David is saying, I've been merciful. I've treated the poor rightly. So you're blessing me. I'm going to get better. I will be vindicated even though many people think I'm not. It's interesting when he says, I have integrity, because in verse 4, what did he say? Look at verse 4. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. I'm a sinner. But then here he says, I have integrity. Which one is it? Can it be both? It has to be both, because we're all sinners, right? We're all sinners. We all rebel, and we all fall short. Not just do we rebel, but we fall short, right? We're sinners. But yet, you know people who have integrity, don't you? Think of one person. Don't say it out loud. Rhetorical question, but I want you to think about it. Who do you know that has integrity? Think about it for a second. Or someone maybe they passed on, they had integrity, right? Yeah, I can look around this room right here. People that I know that have integrity. Yeah. They are who they are. Here and there and everywhere, right? Yeah, they're sinful. We're all sinful, but yet they, they have integrity. It's interesting. He says, I have integrity, but he's in contrast to those who wish him harm. Those who come in and say one thing, right? The two-faced, right? People who come in and say one thing, but yet leave and say something else. There's a contrast there. I have integrity. Even though I'm sinful, I have integrity, right? But he's saying the direction of my heart is toward obedience. Does he sin? Yeah, like us all. We fall short. But what does he do? He confesses his sin, he fights against sin, and he keeps short accounts of it. And that's where we need to be. Yeah, we need to keep short accounts of it. Do we do things that offend people? Do we we handle situations wrongly? Yes. Yes. Do you speak harshly to your wife? Yes. What do you need to do? Make it right. Keep short accounts. That's what we do, right? 
He says, he'll be set. Set me in, the, in your presence forever. He'll be set in the presence of God forever. He said, that's, that's what I'm trusting. That's what I'm hoping in. I have, I've, I've, merciful, I've been merciful to the, to the poor, to the needy. God has blessed me. I'll be vindicated. I'll be able to move forward. And my hope is that I'll be before the Lord for all eternity. And that's our hope, isn't it? Yeah. That's our hope. Talked to a brother yesterday. He, he has cancer. Pretty intense cancer battle. We talked about that. Wow, this, this life is just, just short. But we have eternity, right, to look forward to. And for those who know the Lord, that's our hope. So what's application-wise? And we've been talking about these psalms. And application, we said it's, it's, it's head and heart and hands, right? And how we're going to apply these psalms. And hopefully when we finish this, this will help you in your own application as you study the Bible yourself. But how does it affect our minds? How does it inform our minds? Well, firstly, I think we need to recognize that we need to be merciful. We need to be merciful because there's people who need us to be merciful to them. Also, that know that being merciful is not an ent- not requirements an entry requirement into the kingdom of God. It's not a key to the kingdom. It's more a result of knowing God, not grounds for knowing God. Yes, we know the Lord, so we're merciful, right? And and also, just because we're merciful and we're good to people, right? We know people. In our church, they're very merciful. They're good to people. But yeah, there's times where they're opposed in life. They have opposition. Just because you're blessed, because you're merciful, doesn't mean you're not going to have opposition at times. So that's the head. What about the heart? How does it stir our hearts? Well, God is merciful to us, and he doesn't give us what we deserve. We're going to take the Lord's Supper, and we're going to remember his sacrifice for us we come to the table because of God's grace and mercy to us we don't deserve it and thirdly how can this transform our actions our habits well I think firstly for the lost here if there's someone here and you've yet to repent and trust Christ the Bible says you're at enmity with God which means you're his enemy right You're opposed to him, and guess what? He's opposed to you. Unless you repent, you change your thought about sin, instead of enjoying sin and and, and walking in it, you hate it, and you turn from it. It's called confession and repentance. You turn from it, and you trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. So if you've never received mercy from the Lord today, by way of application, you need to repent and trust Christ. Trust his work on the cross. As your own. That's first thing. For for us believers, we need to be merciful. Because we God's given us mercy. So we need to be merciful and we need to look for ways to be merciful. And how do we do that? Well, we have people in our church that have needs. And so we need to try to help meet those needs. Think about foster care. That's the whole idea behind the foster care training we're doing is to be merciful to those who need mercy. Right? 
putting yourself in others' shoes. Yeah. I think Jim, he shared his, his testimony in the men's breakfast, and he's, he goes to youth villages on Sunday afternoons, and he works with these boys who they've had really difficult lives. They need mercy. So he's going this afternoon to be merciful to them. And as a result, Jim's going to be blessed, right? Yeah, we need to be merciful. Look for ways to be merciful, okay? We need to be a merciful church. We need to be merciful brothers and sisters in Christ. Because God's been merciful to us, we should be merciful to others, okay? Walking through this short psalm, see that we're blessed when we're merciful, but even though we're merciful, Hunter, we, we, that doesn't mean that all things go well because we live in a sinful world and life is difficult and sometimes there's opposition. Sometimes we suffer for whatever reason. But we need to be merciful people. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.